Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We praise always, Father, that you, uh, first of all, would just have mercy on our souls. For we are truly sinful creatures, fallen in Adam. And we are in need of your forgiveness. And so, Father, we trust that for the sake of Christ Jesus, that you forgive our sins. And we pray, Father, as always, that as we read this morning, that you would speak to us through your word. We pray, Father, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but doers as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Remember, guys, we've been doing uh, catechism. a catechism. I, I was about to say that. Give me a, give me a chance. Hello. Uh, the catechism. Uh, we, we've been uh, memorizing from Lord's Day 10. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's, Lord's Day 10. And the first question asks, what do you understand by the, well, question number 27 asks, what do you understand by the providence of God? Question number 28 asks, what does it profit us to know that God created and by his providence upholds all things? Now, first of all, If you know the answer to this question I'm about to ask, raise your hand first, and I'll call on you, okay? What is the providence of God? Anybody know? Anybody know what the providence of God is? No? Give it a guess. Take a guess, Elijah. What is the providence of God? Elijah? I do not know. Tyler? Can you take a guess? What's the providence of God? His will or what is supposed to happen. Okay. His will according to what? Say that again? His will what's supposed to happen according to his plan. So the providence of God is his will or what is supposed to happen according to his plan? Is that what you is that what you, you just said? Okay, you're guessing. That's fine. There's no right or wrong answer here. Krista, you raising your hand? Did the you have? Power of God. Providence of God is the power of God. Okay. Anybody else? Elijah? God's will. God's will. Okay. All right. Those are all good answers. Now, take it from G.I. Williamson. It says, it is two things. Now, everybody know who G.I. Williamson is? He's the author of this book, The Heidelberg uh, a Study Guide. Okay? This is where I'm taking this from. So, if you ever want to know, or if you want to read this on your own, it's the, and I recommend you do, it's The Heidelberg Catechism by G.I. Williamson. He says, it is, it is two things. It is, first of all, all God's preserving or Sustaining of the universe, the sum total of it, and even the smallest part. Then, second, it is God's controlling or governing of the universe so that all things work together unto that end which God has determined from the beginning. Everybody understand that? So, it's the preserving or sustaining of the universe. 
Roger, please sit back so you won't disturb her, okay? It's the, it's the preserving or sustaining of the universe. What does that mean, Mariah? Preserving of the universe. How do you think God preserves the universe? Okay, that's okay. Doesn't know. She doesn't know. Elijah, what do you think? How does God uh, preserve the universe? By His will. By His will. Or hand. Or by His hand. Okay. Anybody else? One more. One more. Anybody else want to give a guess? Take a guess at it. Okay. Now. If you guys remember over in your your catechism, it sort of talks about this. What do you understand by the providence of God? It says right here, the almighty, everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures. See, uphold. You need to, when you're reading these, when you're doing your catechism, you need to think about these these responses, these answers, upholds. What do you think of when you say uphold? What do you think of? Chris, no this, please. What do you think of? Uphold. When you think of uphold, what do you think of, Mariah? I think Okay, that's a good description. Maya, when she thinks of uh, the word uphold, she thinks of God holding up the world with his hand. If he had a hand, okay? But we know that God is a spirit and does not have a body like you and I, right? And he sees us and knows us, right? Even though we can't see him, he sees us, right? So, it must mean that Again, if we were to speak about God in human terms, which we, the Bible does a lot. The Bible talks about God in human terms. But we have to always remember that that's just a way of describing God using uh, terms that we're used to. Okay. So, but if he, Mariah's right. If, if God was human and he had a hand, basically he w- would be holding the hand, the world in his hand. It used to be a song I used to love when I was growing up. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. And something, I forget all the rest of it. But anyway, it was a good song, right? Because, I mean, really, that sort of describes what God is doing. So this world is being, being, it's, it's, it's not just floating, and it's not just, how can I say it? God didn't create this world and then walk away, walked away, and said, okay, it's finished. I don't want to have you know, nothing else to do with it. He's still, he's still holding it together. That's what uphold means. He's holding it together to make sure it doesn't, what, fall apart. You know, scientists say that we rotate around the sun so many times per day and so many times per year, so many times per month. All that is happening because of God. God is controlling it. God is making it happen. Amen? Amen. 
So it's good to know this, isn't it? Because this should help you feel confident. This should build your confidence in God. His ability not only to uphold the world, that is to, to uh, preserve the world, to make sure that the world does what it does, but also that he can help us, especially in our time of need. Amen? So, uh, both of these things are clearly revealed in the Bible. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Everybody turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. If you didn't bring your Bible, get your Bible now. You should have brought it. Always bring your Bible. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Okay, over in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Everybody there? Once you're there, look, everybody look up, so make sure that everybody's there. Hebrews chapter 1, verse talking about the providence of God. Amen? So, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse uh, 3, the Bible reads, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Notice that. Who is he talking about? Who's, who is he? Remember, whenever you see he, it refers to someone. That's a personal pronoun. Who do you think it's? Yes. Very good. How did you know that, Mariah, that it refers to Jesus? Okay, that's very good. That was that was um to very uh, uh, I mean that, that to to um that's that's correct. But what I was looking for is in this passage right here. How do you know that it's Jesus that they're talking about? It's kind of hard to tell there, isn't it? Uh, Elijah. Well, this H is capitalized here because it's the beginning of sentence. But that's a good, that's a good response. That's a good response. So don't get me wrong. That's a good response. What we need to understand, though, is that when you read, when you read the Bible, you have to read it in context. Everybody say context. The context of the of the word, the context of his message, is all the words that comes before and comes after. And if you read before, up in verse, looks like verse 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It was through the Son that God created the world. Everybody understand that? You see that now. That's how we know that it's Jesus is, the, is who they're talking about here. Okay, so it goes on. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus, Jesus Christ is the radiance of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. His what nature? The divine nature. Remember, we talked about this not too long ago. God is one. He has revealed himself in what? How many persons? Three, Three persons. What are those persons, Carissa? What was that again? Good. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in Hebrews chapter 1... Verse 3, we read that God, that is the Son of God, is upholding all things by the word of his power. And in Colossians 1.17, we read that in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things consist or hold together. From such texts as these, we can clearly see how wrong the deists, who are the deists? Anybody know who the deists are? Uh-huh. No, they're not sinners, but deists are those individuals who believe that there is a God, but they believe in a God that basically created the heavens and the earth, and then he kind of walked away and just kind of let it run its course, run its, run its course. It's sort of like if you were a watchmaker and you made a watch, right, and you made that watch to tell, to give the time, well, once you've done that, you, you, what do you normally do with those watches? You either give it away or sell it, right? And you expect for that watch to do what it does, right? Or what it's supposed to do. And, you know, you really pretty much don't have to do anything to it except for what maybe nowadays replace the batteries. I remember a time when you used to, you have to wind it. You have to keep it wound up. That's no longer the case. Or if you have certain types of watches, it would automatically wind itself up based upon the motion that from from moving around every day. It just kind of winds itself back up, and that's how it functions. Matter of fact, I like those watches the best because oftentimes these newer watches, when the battery runs out, it's no longer of of good use. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, um, but anyways, that's who he's talking about, Deist. Now. Uh, from such texts as these, we can see, clearly see how wrong the deists were when they compare God and the universe to a watchmaker and his watch. When a watchmaker has finished creating a watch, he may have nothing more to do with it unless it what breaks down or needs repair, right? This is not true, however. When it comes to the relationship between God and the universe, God is self-existent. What does that mean, self-existent? Elijah? He's the only person. He's the only God. Is that what he means? This author here means by self-existent. Okay. I think what he means by self-existent, meaning that, listen, unlike you and I, we're not self-existent. See, we need and we depend on God in order to what? Live. Without God and without his provisions, and that's what we're talking about, the providence of God, 
we would not be able to live. We would, we depend on God to provide us with what? Food and water. All those things which are necessary in order for us to live. Without food, without water, we would not be able to exist. We would eventually die. Without good health, we would eventually die and so forth. So all these things, we depend on an outside provisions. We, de- we depend on outside provisions to help us to exist. God is not like that. God does not need us. He does not need anyone in order to exist. He exists on his own. Matter of fact, he is the, he has, he's not, the, he's not the created. We are. We are the created. And so, that's why, that's what he means. Self-existent. Okay? Did that make sense, Elijah? Okay, good. That's good, though. I'm glad you were responding. Now, the universe is not. It depends for its existence upon the upholding power of God. The same way with the universe. Did you know that if the the earth was to rotate out of its axis too far and it gets too close to the sun, it would eventually burn up? Isn't it? But isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it wonderful that the the world rotates on a certain axis around the sun in just the right order at just the right distance, so it won't burn up, or so it won't it won't get too cold? Because if it got too cold, we'd have problems too. So all these things are done by God. It is for this reason that Paul quotes approvingly one of the ancient pagan poets who said concerning God. That in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. That's Acts chapter 17 verse 28. To say that we live and move and have our being in God, however, is not to be confused with pantheism. Say pantheism. Pantheism. Anybody ever, does anybody know what pantheism is? Panthers. It deals with panthers. That's what Mariah says, right? (laughs) That's a good guess. Anybody else want to take a guess? Pantheism? Elijah? Yeah, you guys haven't studied pantheism yet? Um, I've heard of it from someone, but I don't know why. I don't think it was something else that's... I don't remember. Okay, well, pantheism teaches that God is the reality of which man, nature, and the material universe are but manifestations of it. So they would say, that piano right there, that's God. That's a manifestation of God. (laughs) Well... They reason that because it's, it's made from what? Wood. It's made from things that come from natural materials or natural elements. Then it must be God in it somewhere. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what pantheism says, okay? So pantheism basically is, uh, teaches that God is the reality of which man, nature, and material universe are but manifestations. In a word, it says the sum total of everything is God. But the Christian view is that God is present in the world and yet distinct from the world. So we would say, no, God is not in that piano. God is not, um, this piano is not a manifestation of God. This piano was created by man. And man was created by who? God. God. And not only that, man is the created and God is the what? Creator. Okay, see how that works? Pantheism would say, no, this piano is a manifestation of God. 
uh, and um, just like man is a manifestation of God uh, and so forth. And it's just a, it's like a, it's like a circle and it's all the same. It's all the same. There's no difference between this piano and God. There's no difference between man who created that piano and God. They're all related. You keep saying what, but I don't understand. What is your question? Is there a question you have? No, there's no question. You okay, then I wouldn't. That's, that's, please don't say that out loud unless you have a question. So. Sorry, it's just that that's weird. I mean, I should say it's weird, but it's strange. Yeah, it's strange. Pantheism yes, strange. yes, it is. It's a strange teaching. Okay, so but that's good. That's good that you're you're thinking it through. That's basically what you're doing, right? Yes. Okay, that's good. Questions? Yes. Why is it called pantheism? Why is it called I just explained that. I thought. It's called pantheism because that's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, first of all, the word theism is in there, which is uh, view, many views of God. Pan, pan, right? I don't know if you ever heard of some words like pandemonium. When you have pandemonium, it's a lot of things happening. So it's all related. Theism, it deals with the teachings of God, who God is, the divine. Did that answer your question? Is that what you're talking about? Okay, that's a good question. Great. All right. So, but um, now, a soldier, uh, Jesus said that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground unless God so determines. That's Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. So basically, again, all this is showing that God is sovereign over the world. Okay. He sustains the universe. Nothing is outside of his control. Nothing is outside of his control. Got to remember that. Okay, That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe as Christians. See, a lot of people, they would say, you know, well, you Christians, you guys kind of believe in stuff that just don't, you know, doesn't have any reason, rhyme or reason to it. Well, no, it does have a lot of rhyme and reason to it. Okay, we, we, we do. We do. Our faith is in God. A God who, first of all, he's, he's in control and he's able to do and he's able to 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 act in history. He's able to control history any kind of way that he wants to. Question. So when you say that he if he controls history, he like you know how Abraham Abraham Lincoln was assassinated? Yes. Well so that means God could have like would have let Abraham Lincoln live instead of being assassinated? He could have if he wanted to, yes. The question is is could 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 God have Prevented Abraham Lincoln from being killed, and yes, he could have. He could have. So now um, that that again, you know, is up to God though. God, He is not moved by men, meaning that He doesn't have to do anything unless He He specifically wants to. Everything He does, again, He's self-existent, so He doesn't need us. He doesn't need our approval in order to do what He does. Question, Krista. Oh. Um, how long will we be in heaven? Well, that's a question that, first of all, this class is not dealing with, but that's a good question. Why don't you hold that question to at the end, of, and we'll talk about how long we will be in heaven, okay? Mm-hmm. But know this, that God created heaven as well. Hold all questions to the, until later, okay? We've got to move on because I want to finish this up. All right. A soldier fired an arrow, an arrow randomly at the enemy. A man was killed. 
What it uh, was it an accident from God's point of view? What do you guys think? Was that an accident from God's point of view? No. It wasn't, was it? No. No. The man's death was already predicted by the Lord's prophet. Good, please. I need you guys to pay attention. Did you guys see that? To say that we live, uh, I'm sorry, a soldier fired an arrow randomly at the enemy. A man was killed. Was it an accident from God's point of view? No. The man's death was already predicted by the Lord's prophets. So God, in reality, controlled all that happened. This is in 1 Kings chapter 22, 28, and 34. Question. So like prophecy. Yeah. This is this is a story. I don't know if you know this is a story. I should have maybe told you that. This is a story out of First Kings. Do you remember that story? It's probably dealing with the story of uh, of um, King Abel. Ahab. Ahab. Yeah, I'm sorry. Good. Ahab. Yes. King Ahab. <laughs> Abel killed Cain, right? That's <laughs> right. That's good. That's why I got you guys here because you guys are. You guys should know a lot of these Bible stories, right? Yeah. What seems to us to be pure chance is really under God's government. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And of course, so it is with all the, the very forces of nature. Today there is much interest in ecology. Many of our troubles, ecology, you guys know what ecology is? Mm-hmm. What is ecology? Mm-hmm. It's like study of eco. The ecosystem. Right. Very good. Many of our troubles are not thought by unbelieving men to be due to the fact that man upsets. Sit up straight, please. Feet on the floor. Due to, to the fact that man must upset the balance of nature. It is not our contention that there is no truth in this modern view. But we do insist that it misses the main point. What's the main point? Well, the main point, according to the Bible, is that God, what? Controls the ecology of the earth, right? He causes things to go against man when man lives in rebellion against him, right? Deuteronomy chapter 28, the whole chapter reveals this. Conversely, when there is a turning back to God, he causes the earth to bring forth abundantly. He has, we've seen that in the Bible. God at various points and various times, he would cause a famine on the land or stuff. You know, he would, he would cause unnatural things to happen that would punish the people for their sin, their rebellion against God. And again, that's just a sign, his sign of showing them that, first of all, that he is the creator. And that he is sovereign, that he is the ruler of heaven and earth. And that, you know, we can't just live our lives any kind of way that we want to and not be held accountable by him. Amen. For this reason, we must be aware of all relief schemes that disregard man's religious apostasy. Take, for instance, the dreadful conditions that have existed for a long time in India. It is not plain to any Christian that as long as cows and even rats are reverenced as sacred, there are there can come 
no lasting improvement in the situation. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about over in India, they worship cows. They worship, certain religions worship rats and, and all kind of cats and stuff like that. And so in certain, certain areas of their country, cows are, 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 are allowed to run and, 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 and basically uh, live freely without being uh, cared for properly. And so, and if you, uh, you harm one of those animals or something like that, uh, for whatever reason, you could be punished for it. Okay? And so the cow is lifted up above humanity. And the cow is lifted up to a level of being a god, being divine. To a point of where, again, you can't do anything to hurt those animals. Okay? And, um, but there are many, many people over there. And you guys remember that movie we saw, right? What was the name of that movie about India? The kids, I forget. No, that's why you like us. I forget the name of that. Slum, slum dogs. Slum dogs. Yeah, right, right. So as you know, there's a lot. Slum dog millionaires. Very good. Thank you for remembering that. There's a lot of poverty over there in that land, India. There's a lot of poverty because people are not, uh, uh, you know, people, I mean, actually go hungry because, but they're not willing to kill the cows, kill the cattle. I think it might have been Mexican though when they were like the white castle thing. No, but there's a lot of poverty in it just due to man's uh, distrust of God, man's distrust of, of God's providence as far as He provides us the cows so that we can eat. When I'm talking, I, I need you guys to listen. When He's, when He, He's. He's, he provides the cows so that we can eat and all the things that we need in order to live. And so we have to manage those resources carefully, yes, that's for sure. But guess what? God is always faithful in providing us with what we need and what we need to, uh, to eat. Even in those countries, he's faithful. But the thing is, is that what happens is men get in the way. Humanity get in the way. Governments get in the way and do it from doing what they're supposed to do. But you know what? Even those governments, God's God is responsible. He has made it clear that He's responsible for putting them in in theirs, those various roles in those various positions. And guess what? Those very governments that He has put there, when they're not doing their jobs, guess what? He eventually tears them down. Nations come and go. It could be our nation too if we're not careful. Amen. God forbid, though. God forbid that America would would, would head down a path where we would anger God to a point of where he completely destroys America. Amen? But we're not above the law. That's for sure. God's law. And we have to be careful. Amen? Amen. Now, um, it is a great comfort. It should be a great comfort to us as Christians, knowing this. As a matter of fact, living as he does in a world filled with problems and dangers that God upholds and governs all that he has created. It may be that God will bring great calamities upon the world. He certainly did so in the days of Joseph, the son of Jacob. We assume that every reader knows that the outline of this wonderful story about the hated brother who was sold into slavery in Egypt eventually became second only to who? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Very good. Genesis chapter 37, 39 through 46. 
It is comforting to see that in those events that God really is in control. Sometimes it is hard to see how he could be in control as it was for Joseph and also for his father Jacob. But it was true just the same. And later on, much later on, both of them came to see it. Genesis chapter 48, verse 5, 50 through 20. Williamson goes on to say that the Apostle Paul tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love who? God. God. Very good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. So we know that what was true in the life of Joseph and in the life of Jacob, it is also true for every believer. So when things seem to go against us, we can remember all the great things that God was doing for them when they were unable to see it. And we can have good confidence in our, our Heavenly Father. This is truly one of the great comforts that belong to us as God's people. Amen? Alright, let us pray. Lord God, thank you for once again reminding us that you are the great provider, the high provider. And that you provide us for all things that are necessary for both life and death even. Because even in our death, Father, you tell us that you, you sustain us. That our spirits return unto you. And there it is preserved and, as well. And so, Father, we're never, according to your word, we can trust that what you tell us, tell us is true. You will never leave us nor forsake us. That you will always provide us. And so we're so thankful, Father. And we just pray as always that we will not only be hearers of your word, but doers as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Thank you, guys. And um